We're going to try something tonight, and I know it's a little lame, but we're talking about light coming into darkness, and so I want you to take out your little candles right now, and I want you to make sure that they work, okay? So now here's where it gets lame, okay? And just hang with me. At the end, we're going to talk about the glory of Jesus coming and so the lights will be as dark, as light as they are now. And then I'm going to ask for complete darkness. But the one I'm going to ask then is then as we start, we just light it one by one. And I know it seems really lame to take a candle that's just a, a, a flashlight and dip it to the person next to you. But the purpose behind it is for you to see the light that grows as we await for the second coming. So that's the purpose behind it. So again, we just ask that you would hold on and then we will have Daniel and Evangel. We'd be going down aisle by aisle. And as they touch your candle, then you touch the person next to you. And that's when you turn on your candle. Okay. So if you have ADHD or something like that, put your candle down, Larry, put your candle down, Larry. Okay. Don't turn it on. Don't flick it on as soon as you do it. If you're a rebel, like some of you who didn't dance, I was up there. I, I clapped my thigh. That's good. I was as Presbyterian as anybody else in here. Okay. But again, we ask that you just turn it and I'll tell you why we don't have real candles. All right. Wax. Exactly. On a woman's whose dress was worth more than this building. So that's why we have these fun little candles. And these are yours to take home and look at and celebrate Christmas tomorrow. Amen. All right. You paid for it. We're going to be looking at Isaiah. Chapter 9, and I want you to, to think about this, because this is a time during the year where maybe um, people start asking some of the bigger questions, like what is the meaning of life? Where do I find significance and security in this world? And I, this connects to our passage, because if you look at Isaiah chapter 8, You'll see that the people uh, during that time were looking for answers, and I would say in all the wrong places. King Ahaz was trying to find security in other nations to try to take care of what God said he was going to do himself. And a lot of times we find ourselves trying to figure out this world, whether it's through our careers, whether it's through money, whether it's through family. We could put a whole bunch of things in place of, of finding out, why do I seek after these things? So for me, this is very personal as I try to seek after the things of the world. And, and again, I grew up in Cocoa Beach and it was during the time when my parents got divorced. And that was really the first time that I started asking real questions. Why am I here? What's the purpose of all of this? Because it's got to be more than just Christmas trees and presents. So I don't know why you're here tonight. I have not a clue. But I ask that what you hear tonight makes an impact upon your heart. And that it draws you to the Savior. And that when you leave here tonight, you will go home to a celebration tomorrow for Jesus Christ being born as our Savior and Lord. So I want you to hear these words again from the scripture. And maybe this time, maybe they'll make a little bit more sense to you. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. For in the former time, he brought in contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Natali. But in later times, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. For the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
and those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. For you have multitude, multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, and they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we come to your word. It is your words to your people. And Father, we know that I I can be up here and waste this time. We could be wasting our time tonight or just simply having a nice evening unless the Holy Spirit moves. Father, this came true in the life of Jesus Christ. We know that as we've already heard, he lived that perfect life. He gave his life as a ransom for ours upon the cross. He was dead and buried, but he was resurrected and Jesus is alive. And so, Father, we come tonight looking to celebrate and to worship you with our whole heart. Lord, may we not walk through the motions, but Lord, may we engage you with everything that we have, everything that we are, to give you all praise and glory. For we pray all of this in the power of the Holy Spirit. But we prayed in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. So the people during this time were not looking for God, and maybe some of you sitting here aren't looking for God. Maybe you're okay. You feel like you don't need Jesus. I've had many people tell me, I don't need Christ. I've got everything figured out. And so what was happening is they were looking again for answers in all the wrong places. And so as they started to look, what it says in, the, in chapter 8, it says they began to look at mediums and necromancers because they wanted to inquire of the dead on behalf of the living. And maybe some of you think that maybe. Maybe you're thinking, hey, if mom or dad who passed away or, you know, great grandma or great uncle or whoever, maybe somebody in your family that you think, hey, if they were going to tell me that it wasn't real, that the things up there are not real. Maybe they would come back to me and tell me so I don't have to keep living a lie. So I don't have to keep asking hard questions. So these people were looking for answers from the people that were dead, trying to come and answer for the, on the behalf of the living. And it said they were in gloom and anguish. And there was darkness. And we understand that because, again, we see the world and we see the things on TV and on radio. We see all the things we experience in our lives. And we see the gloom and people begin to complain about everything and about everybody. And it always seems to be somebody else's fault, isn't it? It's the government's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my kid's fault. All these answers find themselves in everybody else but me. And so we begin to see that they were cursing everything. And they actually say about the people during this time that they begin to say this, darkness has become my friend. Because that's where they find themselves, only in the midst of darkness. 
And they find that they begin to love the darkness. But God, at this moment in time, comes to them and says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Now, this doesn't happen for a lot of years. But God wrote it to us by saying, this is sure. There is going to be one who's going to bring the assurance that the light will dawn. And that is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. For he is the one who brings about the transformation. He's the one who turns men from darkness to light. Now we know this because he brings liberation. He brings us and he brings oppression from our enemies. A lot of times we understand that. Some of us have been dealt with burdens in our lives. Some of us have dealt with even beatings maybe. Maybe not physical beatings, but we've been beat up emotionally. We've been up spiritually, maybe some of you. And we've gone through these beatings and we've dealt with tyrants in this world. And he comes and he says, I'm going to bring liberation by my son, Jesus Christ. He's going to come and he's going to say, it's just like on the days of the Midians. Now, for those of you who know your, your Bible history, know that this is what this is talking about is it goes back to the days of judges and it goes back to Gideon. And Gideon, when he's called by God to come and take care of these things and to take care, to wipe out the Midianites, Gideon looks up and says, I'm the least of the clans and I'm the least of my people. God, there's so many other people out there that you can use. Why are you choosing me? And maybe you feel that way. God, why would you use me? Why have you called me to preach the gospel to someone else? Can't you send someone else who can tell a better story? Can't you tell someone else who, who lives a bitter life? I have a friend, um, and this used to tick me off all the time. She would go out with us and we'd go to restaurants. And she used to do this to me. She asked the waitress or waiter, do you know Jesus? Shocking. But then she would go like this. Well, my pastor Jeff's going to tell you about him right now. <laughs> You're the one who asked. I just want to eat my lunch. And so sometimes we do think that, that, hey, we're just going to set other people up because they're the ones who need to do it. But why would God call me? And remember what he does with Gideon? He has Gideon show up with an army of 32,000 people to go against the Midians. And he's feeling pretty good. 32,000, that's pretty good. And God says, it's too many. So I want you to ask anybody who's afraid to go ahead and go home. And he does. And 22,000 people leave. 22,000. So he still has 10,000. And God said, still too much. I want you to go down to the creek. I want to see how they drink. He's left with 300 people. 32,000 to 300 people. And God says, that's about right. Because it's God who does the changing. It's God who does the fighting. And that God loved you by name so much that he sent his son. And he said, I will draw you to myself. I will liberate you from ever, whatever it is that ails you. Whatever things are going on in your life. You are worth everything because God gave everything for you.
And why does he do that? Because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. Not one person in here is good. Not one. Not even when I get paid to be righteous. I need God to see Jesus Christ and not Pastor Jeff. And when he sees that, then he relieves our burdens. He takes our beatings upon himself and he eradicates our tyrants. Listen, no more guilt. There is nothing that separates you from the love of Christ. And when we figure that out, when we figure, truly figure it out that we're not good enough, but Christ is, then we can celebrate tomorrow. And it says we celebrate when, because he draws people to himself. We know that. We see our wise men. They, oh, they made it tonight. Our wise men have, have come all the way across to follow a star that they didn't even know about. But God was drawing them. He draw them and he drew them to his son, the Savior. And they asked the question that we should be asking. Where is the king of the Jews? Don't look in the world because he's alive. He's alive and well and he brings to us the joy at the harvest and the spoils. Do you get that? We're not, we're not a part of that. We plant, but we can't make it grow. God does. And we get to partake of the harvest. When we go out into the warfare, there's spoils that are brought in. Remember when the people left Egypt? They, they wanted the people out so much they were throwing all your, their gold and silver and saying, get out of here. Why do we worry? Why do we worry? When we know that God loves you. So celebrate. Get up tomorrow morning. And I know this is hard. Don't worry about the presence. Celebrate and praise the king. Because he deserves everything that we have. And again, he's coming back. And his presence will be the light that shines all the time. No need of a sun or a moon, just Christ. Christ.